0: The Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Lori was dying of cancer and reading terrible books about burning in hell. Lori was at home hospice in Vallejo when I was pastor there, and her cancer was spreading fast. They didn't know if she had weeks or months to live. She was very weak, but she could still read. And she'd been given a book in the Left Behind series. Do any of you know the Left Behind books? They're about, they're kind of a Christian fiction, and they're about a rapture where some people are taken up to heaven and other people are left behind, and you don't want to be one of the ones left behind. And it's a whole series of books. And she was reading these books as she was actively dying of cancer, and it was scaring her. She couldn't sleep. She lay awake at night wondering if she was saved by Jesus or not. And we found this out when we brought her home communion. She told us about her fears and her sleepless nights, and we reassured her that she was a baptized Christian saved by Jesus, that she was marked with the cross of Christ forever. And then, with her permission, we took the left behind books away. And part of the problem was she didn't have just one book, but someone had brought her a whole stack. And they hadn't read the books themselves, but they thought it might be something good for her to pass her time, some Christian literature. But it was exactly the wrong thing. So we took away that stack of books and we gave her devotional books to reinforce God's love and to help her prepare for the next life with hope. Reading books like that when you're in your last weeks of this life dying from cancer actually can block God's comfort and lead to sleepless nights. The goal of those apocalyptic Christian books is to wake us up and shock us and have us reorient our life toward God. John the Baptist is trying to shock the people into waking up and turning back to God in very much the same way in today's gospel lesson. John the Baptist says, repent, prepare the way. One who is more powerful than me is coming to gather the wheat and burn the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Well, when we hear about an unquenchable fire, what do we think of? Hell, right. Of course, that's all we think of is burning in hell. You're going to burn in hell. We've all been probably told that at one time or another, maybe by people on the sidewalk as we're walking by in San Francisco or something. But that's exactly what we think of. But our Lutheran belief is actually that we are both wheat and chaff, both saint and sinner. What the world says on the sidewalks is that there's good people and there's bad people. And the good people get taken up to heaven, they go with the angels, and the bad people get left behind or burn in hell. But that's not actually our Lutheran belief. Our Lutheran belief is that each person is both saint and sinner at the same time that we all have good and bad in us, and it's all mixed up together. Everyone makes mistakes, everyone struggles, everyone misses the mark. Nobody is perfect. And I'm always relieved to know there's not some group of perfect Christians out there for God to use. That's not us, but somebody else. God has only us to, to use, but there's some comfort in that. We're all in this together and we are each and all, both good and bad, simultaneously saint and sinner. We all have hard shells to remove, and we all have seeds to nurture. Like the Left Behind books, John the Baptist's goal is to wake us up and shock us and have us turn back to God. Now, maybe when there are impeachment proceedings going on, maybe when there's a global crisis over climate change, maybe when we have personal health issues, our own or those of loved ones, maybe we're already awake, right? I don't know about you, but I've heard many friends saying, I just have to turn off the news, I can't take it anymore, or I can't sleep at night, it's just terrible. One more tweet and I'm going to lose it. We're in that kind of a situation right now. Just like Lori dying of cancer actively, we are already alert and awake. We are already hyper, and we don't need a wake up call from John the Baptist. We are overwhelmed and fearful, and then the temptation is not to sleep and relax, but the temptation is to stick our head in the sand and hide out. And then, rather than being awake and waiting, we become stressed out and unable to sleep. Through the church, God has given us the gift of Advent, a time of waiting and preparation, a fresh start of a new church year, time to prepare the way for Jesus. And our theme for this Advent is hope, as in the Advent hymn, All Earth is Hopeful. Because in this moment of our history, we need hope more than anything else. And if we don't have it when we gather here and receive the body and blood of Christ— Nobody is going to have it. So we receive the hope here to take it out into God's world. And our society right now really needs hope. We need hope for our families. We need hope for our society. We need hope for our democracy, hope for our planet. How many of you know what a furrow is? Not a burrow, but a furrow with an F? Some people, a few people. Okay, I learned what this word means this past week. It was new to me because I'm from the suburbs and I've lived in urban areas, but I don't know these farming terms. A furrow is a trench or a groove in the earth created when you dig in the soil to make space for a seed to be planted. How can Jesus make space for a new seed of God's hope in your life today? How can the Holy Spirit create a furrow in your life so that something new can be planted to grow? Let's think of the fire burning the chaff not as people burning in hell, but as dried up parts of us being removed to make space for God's hope. It's not destructive, but creative. It's taking away the garbage, creating a furrow for seeds. The chaff is covering the seed. It's debris that needs to be removed. So burning the chaff with fire means that you've freed up the seeds for planting. Welcoming God's hope. We are awake to do God's good in the world. And also, we can sleep at night because we're not stressed out and hyper. This Advent, let God make space in your heart, in your life, and in our church for the seed of hope. All Earth is Hopeful is a hymn theme for our Advent season. And next week when the kids do their Sunday school program, they'll be singing that hymn. But I want to quote part of verse 1 from you for you. All earth is hopeful says, all earth is hopeful, the Savior comes at last. Furrows lie open for God's creative task. May the Holy Spirit create in us and in our church a furrow for seeds to come. Amen.